All right, welcome to WKNC. This is Abdullah Najjar, and in today's episode of Connecting to Pack, I am joined by Victoria with a K. Kachenko. I guess that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, <laughs> you're close. Okay, that's good. So, so Victoria is a student here at NC State University. Uh, she is doing uh, an exchange program, uh, but she primarily studies in France in uh, the Schema Business School. Um, we'll, we will explore her journey, her um, educational journey, and and the reasons or the motivation that brought her here to the U.S., uh, in addition to some of the lessons uh, that have been learned and some of the memorable experiences. So, um, Victoria, welcome to the studio. Hey, thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Um, so th- th- how would you rate my pronunciation of your last name on a, a scale of uh, 10? That was like 7 out of 10. <laughs> okay. How about you, you try to pronounce your last name? Okay, so it's Tkachenko. Okay, Tkachenko. Yeah, that okay. was better. That was that was good. Okay. That was a solid 9. <laughs> solid 9. Improvements. And you mentioned that this is a very... Um, it's a typical Ukrainian last name. Yeah, it's very common in Ukraine. Mm. So as I've mentioned, like around 300 southern people in Ukraine have the same family name as me, but it doesn't mean that they are my relatives. Oh, yeah. No. Right, no. right. And then, no. like you said, it's like the Smith name before yeah, we were exactly. Smith last name. Exactly, yep. <laughs> um, so tell me, before we even talk about the, your, your journey in the U.S., I, I would be interested to know about... Um, your 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 travels because you mentioned before when we were having a conversation that you've been traveling since the age of 12 i believe Um, yeah well those were like educational travels mm -hmm. so i've started traveling in the very early age thanks to my parents yeah but i've started the educational travels since i was 11 that's true wow and how many countries have you traveled to like in general? Yeah. Wow. They, you can't even put a finger on it. That's just like, it's a lot. <laughs> well, that's not that many. You know, like uh-huh. I'm only 19 yet, so I really have a lot to explore. Yeah. And I still have a lot of countries that I haven't been to yet. Right. But so far I've been to like 35 countries. Wow. Oh, this is like an approximate number. I'm not sure. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's that's more than one could achieve in a lifetime. <laughs> well, congratulations. I, I I think that's there's a lot of um there's a lot of value to travel and a lot of lessons to learn. Um what was your first experience like? I mean, you say you were 11. How yeah. what was that like? You still remember? Yeah, I do remember that well cuz that was my first like big travel and I went to the Great Britain, to mm-hmm. England, um by myself. Um so I was studying um, in like, like in a small town not far from London during a month. So I was like in a school, in a boarding school, alone. I was 11. And, you know, I really had to experience like all this cultural shock, you know, the language barriers, the communication barriers, like everything at once. Um, but that was definitely a very valuable experience for me. And I guess that if it didn't happen that time, I wouldn't be sitting here. Wow. Yeah. And like, I was really sensitive that time because I was like, again, I was 11, you know. Right. I'm, my, I mean, I have an older, like I have uh, three siblings and one of them is um, my younger brother. 
he's 10, so he's nearly the same age <laughs> as I was back then. And I'm looking at him and he's like a child, you know. So <laughs> I can't imagine him being like in London or whatever the city was um, by himself for like months, you know, in a completely strange, um, in a completely random country right. with random people, with the foreign language and everything. So that was um, uh, that was a challenge for me. But yeah. again, I'm grateful for that experience because now I'm sitting here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean. What is, is that in something that is common in Ukraine for, for parents to send their kids abroad at an early age? Or are your parents the exception here? It's, it's not common. Mm -hmm. um, but again, um, as I've mentioned uh, during our like, previous conversation, my parents, they have a big emphasis on education. Yeah. For them, it is really important. It is very crucial. And, um, you know, when it comes to the education, they would spend a lot of resources, the time and everything for the education. Yeah. When it comes to like presents or just some like, you know, I don't know, random stuff. No, no, we had like, my parents are strict, you know, but when it comes to education, they are, they are, they would like really provide a lot of stuff and they would want them kids to have the best, you know, and to experience the best and yeah. to get the best education. So, wow. Yeah. But and what so did you make a trip every summer to pursue uh, you know an educational opportunity or well how, some, how did that work? yeah that was like every summer and then when i was like 13 i did that also during the christmas holidays oh. so i would live like in a host family for the christmas <laughs> um but yeah but then it stopped i stopped um when the COVID started, yeah, I was actually planning to go to Canada back in twenty like twenty nineteen, right. but then the COVID happened and I couldn't go. So since then, I didn't go anywhere because then I had my like high school and I was a senior, so I had to do like a big final exam, which is like SAT here. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was applying to you know the universities and everything, so I didn't do that since then. Yeah, and do you? actually research these like what country you want to go to next or is it very spontaneous you like, know what i never knew where i would go like <laughs> my parents were responsible for that wow they would plan my trips they would plan my kind of educational trip and i would just do this my. and so very often um they would do like a trip that would be like one two months during the summer and i would go in different countries so that would be like two weeks here, two weeks there, three weeks there, <laughs> and I would just do this. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. That's just, yeah. And, I mean, you never talked to them about this this pattern, you know, of like, you never, do you know why it all started? Why, what's, where is that stemming from? This motivation to want to send you abroad to like pursue education. I mean, yeah, I mean, it sounds like I've never talked to them or like something, but no, of course, I've discussed that with them and um, we had a lot of discussions based mm -hmm. on that subject. Um, so I am pretty sure that my parents wanted me to study abroad since like. I don't know what age, but yeah. they always wanted me to study abroad, especially uh, in terms of the university. They uh -huh. really wanted me to go to study abroad. Um, 
and they knew that you know there should be like some background for me to do that because you know I guess if I didn't do those summer studies uh, it would be so much harder for me to move to France and then to move here again and you know like to overcome these issues once again so um, I guess they knew that and plus it really helped my language you know um, I guess if I didn't have all those studies I wouldn't have the opportunity to talk to real people, you know, because in school we had the language courses, of course. I had like extracurriculars, I had all this stuff, and I had to learn the language. For me, it seems that I was learning some foreign language all the time. <laughs> um, but the real experience, the real time when I really had the opportunity to talk to real people, and especially the peers, uh, that was that time when I was doing my summer studies. So it kind of helped me to overcome the language barrier and, you know, just to talk randomly to people and like, I had no troubles talking in French or in English when I moved to France. So. Wow. Do, is there something that you carried with you every, I mean, obviously passport whenever you travel, that's an essential, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but is there something significant that, that has always accompanied you uh, throughout your, 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 your travel journeys? well I don't know passport money <laughs> cash right there wasn't something specific mm -hmm. you know because again like coming back to my parents they were um, they are not really how would I say this correctly you know so even like I could say phone but at that time I didn't have one wow and uh, well, later I got one, but it wasn't really nice. So, you know, I had troubles like even taking the pictures with that phone. So I can't really say phone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had like, my luggage, with some of my stuff. Right. No, there was not like specific stuff that I always carried with me. No. Yeah. Nothing that is like, say, of a great sentimental value. No, okay. no, no. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, okay. So you said during COVID, you had to pause this obviously because of travel restrictions right mm -hmm. how how did that feel like i mean it, it must have been the first ever year when you just you know you didn't have the opportunity to leave how did you handle that um well you know there were like the things that i had to think about like yeah. you know just the health and everything and just what to do with my life and et cetera, et cetera. so well, of course, I was upset that I didn't go, but there were some other stuff that I had to think about. And I mean, simply, I was trying to figure out what to do during my summer mm -hmm. when it was staying and when we all were locked, right. you know. So that was the question that we all were thinking about. But I can't say that I, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I'm staying inside of the country. What should I do? No, no, that wasn't the case. Huh. Um, wow. That's... It was just more that... You know, we all were locked at home. Yeah. And we just didn't know what to do. Like, in general, we couldn't leave the house and we couldn't really, you know, have fun and go outside and meet people and use the public transportation, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, like, we really had to figure out what to do, you know, just to kind of Survive. entertain ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So, I was not really thinking about, like, oh my God, I didn't go to like Canada or whatever. So, right, right. And do you think it throughout these 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 journeys that you spent abroad, did it did it make it easier to make friends or did it make it harder since you're always you're constantly moving? 
Mm, this is a very good question because, yeah. well, personally, I'm more like an introvert. So for me, it's a bit harder to make friends. Yeah. And, you know, when you say friends, well, for me, a friend is a person who's always there for me. It's like it's more than a friend, you know, it's a it's like a person that is always ready to help me, that is always there, that I can share anything with this person. So I can't say that I was making friends because we were just seeing each other for that time period. And then, you know, we just left and we were just going back to our home countries. And that wasn't the case that we really kept in touch. I mean, I am subscribed to all of them on Instagram (laughs) (laughs) if it says you something, but we didn't really, you know, become really really good friends yeah yeah and i would imagine that it would be difficult since it's you know you're constantly moving and you know establishing these contacts or connections would be or deep connections rather it would be hard and like also there were a lot of people um well teenagers that would come with their friends yeah so they would come with the people they already knew Mm -hmm. and Sometimes they just didn't want to make any new friends. There were a lot of people like that. They would come like with their sister or brother or with their friends. So yeah. we just they would just stick together all the time. And, you know, they would not really accept anyone else in their like little circle. Mm. So Right. Yeah. That they already I think there's a downside to that because you never really experience discomfort. And I think through discomfort you experience growth. Of course. Yeah. Well, a lot of children a lot of teenagers, young people who were doing that, they were forced to do that by their parents. So a lot of them didn't really want to be there, you know. Oh. So there's, um, for some, it was an opportunity, like for me. Yeah. But for some people, it was like a punishment or, you know, just like a, um, you know, go study. You want to have fun this summer. You should <laughs> study in la la la. So wow. for some people, it wasn't really opportunity. It was like a, we have to be here. Because our parents paid for this, and we yeah. just have to be here. Wow! And when in Ukraine, did you, since since you you know most of your travels are in the summer, was it? I mean, was it easy to to make Ukrainian friends? Since you know most of the time of the year you're there, but you know in the summers you get to leave. How 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 would you describe the sort of you know friendship situation in Ukraine? Um. Well, I had my school friends because yeah. um, we were studying, you know, <laughs> from the fall up till the May, we were all kind of staying together. Mm-hmm. We would go into school. We were seeing each other every single day and we would spend the weekends together. Yeah. And then most of my Ukrainian friends, like from school, they would go travel during the summer or, you know, they would, I don't know, visit their grandparents. So most of them wouldn't be in Kiev. So that's where I'm from, in town. So it wasn't really the case that everyone was like staying at the same place. And, you know, I was like the only one, like the outlier who didn't have the chance to hang out with all the rest. Right. Now, everyone was like busy and everyone was traveling or doing some stuff. So, mm-hmm. And let me ask you this. Why did you choose France as a, because that's where you primarily study, right? Why? France out of, say, 195 countries? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a very interesting question. And um, 
there's a very long story behind that, so I'll try to, you know, shorten it. <laughs> so at first, when I was doing my studies, I was um, kind of doing those studies in English. Yeah. So that was my um, third language, because first two are Ukrainian and Russian. Mm-hmm. So I was always um, studying in English, and I was practicing English, and so my target was English. But then um, I remember... Um, we were traveling with my parents in France. We were just traveling. We decided to go to France um, to the island course. Mm. So at that time, my dad, he knew that I had um, French as one of my foreign languages at school because when we came to the middle school, we had to choose another foreign language. So we had like English as the first foreign language, yeah. but we also had to choose another one. So um, I had French. <laughs> but I hated it so much, you know, like I was just uh, I didn't skip the classes, but I was not really doing something in the classes. I, you know, I didn't like the French classes and well, I didn't enjoy it. So when we went to France and my dad he knew that I had French classes back at school, um, he was just like, you know, go talk to some random people. I remember there was like a holiday or something. There were like a lot of people. There was like a huge crowd outdoors. There were like some policemen and he was like, go talk to the policemen. Go find out like what's happening here. Go talk to some <laughs> random people. Come on, practice your French. Oh and I'm like, oh, my God, like I don't talk French. I don't know a word in French. You know, I was like just <laughs> bonjour or like some stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, he like my dad, he would usually put me in those really discomfort situations for me to, you know, like leave my comfort zone and go practice the language or whatever. And, uh, you know, when he realized that I don't speak any French, we came back home to Kiev and he made me study French. He, yeah, like I then went for like some extra classes and um, I've studied, I've started studying French very intensively. And then since that year, I was then going to Francophone countries to study French. And at first, I really hated that. You know, like, I didn't like French. I didn't like the fact that I was forced to do that. Because when you're forced to do that, you don't like it. You know, you're you're being stubborn and you're trying to do anything but learn whatever. Or, like, right. for me, it was, like, learn French. But with some time, I started liking it. You know, uh, I was um, traveling to, like, Belgium or Switzerland, especially, like, the French part of Switzerland, France many places in France, and I liked it. You know, I was discovering um, their culture, their language, and um, just being around <laughs> French people and French society and culture. And I was like, okay, that's not that bad. So by the end of the high school, I had pretty decent level. So when there was a question, where would I apply? We were like, okay, let's go for France. Because um, France has... Um, public schools, public universities, they're yeah. for free. And at first, my initial plan was to apply to French public universities, which I did. So I applied to three public universities. That was the max. I got accepted. Everything was fine. And then, like, in the very end, um, someone just, like, proposed me French business schools. And um, there was this idea that it's way easier to get to the job market from the business school than from like a public school. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was the reason why I actually uh, went for the business school. 
And especially when I discovered that the studies are in English, yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'm doing that. So wow. I applied to Schema and I had like an interview and some other stuff and I got accepted. So I was like, okay, I'm so, going to Schema. So technically, it wasn't your first time in France and it wasn't planned that you would go to Schema. It, oh know. yeah, it wasn't my first time in France. No, yeah. that was like my... I don't remember, but like that wasn't for sure my first time in France. No, yeah. no, no. Um, that was actually also facilitated me my move to France because yeah. I knew what to expect. I knew the region. I knew, you know, kind of like what to expect in terms of people, culture, food, all that stuff. So I was prepared for that. Right. Yeah. And schema, yeah, it wasn't my first plan. It wasn't my um, initial plan. Wow. And how did you feel about going to schema what were your for what was your initial experience like i don't know how long you've spent in uh two years two years yeah. wow how were how would you describe those two years in the schema program okay so the first year um well let's say first semester was pretty challenging because still it's new country new people new everything uh -huh. you have to start your life from not the very beginning, but from a certain beginning. <laughs> um, it was a bit tough because I still also had to learn, you know, like the educational system, how the classes work. Um, you know, I had to settle my routine. I had to realize like my schedule and how it worked and mm -hmm. everything. So that was a bit tough, but then it went well. But again, in the middle of the second semester, the full-scale war happened in Ukraine, right. which also, you know, not facilitated my journey there for sure. Um, there was another thing that I was worried about and it really had an impact on my journey and on my future studies and on my future everything. So, And did you find, I guess, some support system at that time? To In know? France? Yeah. No. No. No, that actually, um, you know, people, when I tell them that, I had no support in France at all. People are like, but how? How is it possible? But yeah, that's the truth. Um, I really remember it well when the war started. I was like in the bus. Um, I got a phone call from my friend. And she was crying and she was like, oh my God, I saw like a bombing like not far from my house. You know, like I saw it. I heard it. I woke up from this. You know, like I couldn't really realize what was going on. Because when my parents called me and said that the war started, they were so calm. Like my dad, he you couldn't hear any stressful pieces in his voice. He was like so calm and chill and, you know, like nothing happened, you know. But then when my friends were calling me and when they were sending me the texts, messages and like the videos, I was like, oh, my God, but that's like the real full skill war. Like what's happening? How can that be? And, and I mean... And there was the period before the full-scale war started. It was like a very intense period where like embassies were leaving the country, where all the international delegates were like, come on, guys, you've got to leave the country and everything. So there was a pretty intense period before that. So there was a tension already. Yeah. So we never knew if it's going to happen or not, but it happened. And no one believed it. Me neither. I was like, how is that even possible? But it happened. Wow. So... And yeah, coming back to the support, um, so there were a few Ukrainian students in Schema 
and we decided to organize like a social thing in the university and i was like okay guys come on we gotta like do this and this so the idea was to um collect the humanitarian help humanitarian aid for the ukrainian families and children um and then to send it to ukraine Mm -hmm. and also we were planning to make some posters to put around the campus and it was so complicated to do that because um the administration back there they were like okay you can't do it here you cannot cover the sign the logo of the school uh this place no you cannot do it so we're like okay but where can we actually establish the thing you know and i was like but guys are you on our side (laughs) like (laughs) why are you blocking this you know but finally we did that um but like you know there were like um it's been a few days after the war started and after like we actually requested that yeah. when it actually happened and then again when it happened when we established like places the collection places for the humanitarian aid um we kind of provided the instruction of what you can bring what should you bring and like where to put it and everything we realized that no one was actually caring you know no one cared no one was bringing anything i even saw that like some students were actually taking something from those boxes oh my goodness yeah that is so low and i was like so frustrated and the dead time i was like so off because you can imagine like there is the war that full-scale war that happened in the country in my country i'm seeing people being completely careless they were hanging out they were having the parties because we have to remember that french culture means that you get a party like every week two three times per week you know people kept partying and i was like i was so mad at everyone i just you know they didn't understand yeah so i i didn't really receive any support yeah some professors when uh you know they found out why i was like so depressed and why i was like skipping classes not turning the papers and everything they were like what's going on and i was like you know i'm ukrainian and there is a full-time war and everything and they were like okay yeah we kind of understand with support um you know yeah. if there's anything like i could talk to them but the students especially they didn't care and it it was hard to even go back right to actually maybe see because you said you formed a capital yeah and i think it might it could it may be hard to go back i don't know how how that works um mm. okay yeah i'll explain you so actually i was at, like in kiev during the war so i went back to kiev last winter yeah for christmas so it's a bit complicated to travel there because the sky is closed so you cannot take the plane obviously wow. so what you can and should do is basically you either take a train to get to kiev yeah or like you take the bus or the car mm. so i had to take um Firstly, I had to take the flight from Nice, which is in the south of France, to Warsaw, the capital of Poland, right. and then I took a bus. Wow. So the whole trip was like almost 24 hours. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was uh that's, you know. What was your initial reaction when you first went back? Oh my god, I I can't even express it. I yeah. cuz you know that's a very controversial thing because I always wanted to study abroad. I always wanted to be abroad and to live abroad. Mm-hmm. But then especially when the full 
scale war happened and I realized that my home city, the place where I was born, I was raised, I you know, lived my whole life, had my friends, my life, everything is being under the attack every single day. I felt so bad and like I was missing my home city a lot. I was literally, I was, you know, like looking at the pictures and videos that were taken back then when I was still in Ukraine, I was still studying in school and I was crying. I was crying a lot. That period, like I can really describe it as just, just crying, you know. I'm so sorry. That's, that must be. So when I actually came back last year during the winter time, I was so happy. You know, we didn't have the light. We had like constant blackouts. The streets were dark. There was no electricity. There was sometimes there was no like um, hot water or like electricity Whoa. for a few days. And um, it was like, it was really hard, you know, to for people to live there. Yeah. Um, but I had so much, um, you know, love being there. And I, I, I just enjoyed it so much because I saw my friends. I saw my family, part of my family. I saw my cat, my home, you know, my room. Wow. I was, I was, I was really happy, and I didn't care that there was no light or there was no electricity, or, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so, it almost, it's like, all of the basic necessities have been have become, you know, no longer basic. It's like. Oh yeah. You have to. You're you're no longer entitled these human basic human needs exactly you know people um, do not realize that their basic needs their basic things are not basic for someone you know um i was staying there for like 10 days only 10 days but people leave there you know um they have to deal with the constant blackouts the constant um you know the AIDS, the alarms, um, the mm -hmm. missile attacks, and the bombings, and everything, and people have to live with that. Yeah. And uh, you know, people do not really realize that having like a warm water, warm shower in the morning is like it's not a basic thing. It's actually kind of luxury thing for for some people. Right. Right. Yeah. They take them. They take these things for granted. But yeah. For but some it's, yeah. People. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And what are what were your parents' reaction like when you first saw them? Well, the thing is that at that time already, my mom was in Prague. Mm -hmm. So my mom and my younger siblings, they were in Prague, in Czech Republic. Yeah. Um, but my dad and my older brother, they were in Kiev. Um, and, you know, my dad, he's not really emotional. <laughs> so okay. he was like, okay, you're here. Come on, we, we got to do something. Uh -huh, so, uh -huh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, have how um, did your father and your brother cope with the situation? I mean, it's even it's hard for me to say cope because you don't cope with these things. You don't normalize them, right? But how were they? I'm sure they've changed a lot after all of this. Did you? How how did you feel that they were dealing with the situation? I mean. Honestly, when I'm talking about especially like my family, mm -hmm. um, they didn't really change anything. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, uh, okay, so my brother, he's studying at university in Kiev. Um, yeah. He kept studying. Um, well, his classes were online, of course. Right. So he just kept studying. My dad, he was still working. You know, he kept working. 
Um, obviously, where there were like the alarms, they had to go to the bomb shelter or like the, you know, the like metro station or yeah. the underground parking or whatever. There was like underground, they had to like go down and, you know, stay there. Um, but the rest <laughs> didn't really change. I mean, obviously, there are like the things, the routine stuff that have changed. They had to adapt to it. Um, but, you know, it's not like I know that a lot of people, especially Americans, they think that when there is a war happening in the country, it's like everything is bombed. There's no life. Everyone mm-hmm. is just sitting in the bomb shelters and being scared and doing nothing and just, you know, being terrified. No, the yeah. life goes on and people are studying. People are going to the you know restaurants and shops. And I mean, the life goes on because it has to go on. Yeah. Because if it didn't go on, we would be that, you know, emotionally. So mm-hmm. it has to continue. Yeah. Well, you said you went back in the winter season mm-hmm. was that during christmas time yeah that was during christmas time so i spent christmas with my dad and my older brother and what was the christmas celebration at that time look like um you know usually as like in every city i guess um there is like a christmas tree there would be usually a big christmas tree on the central um you know on the st- central square in ukraine yeah and like in 2020 in 2020 and in 2021 so before the war there was like a huge christmas tree with a lot of lights there was like a christmas market around like the ice rink you know children were playing there was like this um hustle and bustle around and like everything but when i actually went to the central square i saw the tree and uh, i realized you know how it really changed because the christmas tree was way smaller there were mostly no lights because you know come on there's like blackout so Mm -hmm. no one would actually use the lights and um you could see that the life really changed and people changed and their perception of everything changed yeah but again i was i was still feeling good i was i was enjoying my time there because that was my home and i came back home and i saw my friends that i haven't seen for like a few months so i was happy to be there wow I'm so glad it happened. You know, you got a chance to see them, and I'm glad they're still, you know, still alive. They they they, they survived. This, oh my uh, god, that sounds so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard. I'm sure it's really hard to actually cope with this because no one would anticipate that. You know, they would wake up someday, and their country is in a state of disarray, in a state of war, in a state of chaos. Um, so it's it's really, yeah. No, it's 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 hard to cope with such things. I, I don't even know if one can actually cope with these things. It's uh, yeah. especially when when you know you're far away. Um, I guess it it puts a strain uh, on one's ability to carry out day to day tasks, right? Um, but also people united. You know, it's a very important thing to mention that people all all like all Ukrainians they really united. I've never seen our society and like Ukrainian population to be that united yeah. as they became. Wow. And like, I'm so proud to be Ukrainian. I've never been so proud before, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because today Ukrainian, to be Ukrainian means, you know, it, it means way more than just belong to some country or, you know, like some nationality. Right. It really means a lot. And people, when they discover that I'm Ukrainian, 
like you just saw the reaction of the lady, right? Mm -hmm. It's like when you said that I'm from Ukraine, she was like, oh, you know, so people have this instant reaction like, oh, you know. Yeah. So I, I really admire the fact that today Ukraine is being, um, it's like a synonym to the freedom, you know, to dignity and uh, to being strong and independent and, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Yeah. So. Are there any Ukrainians you got to meet here in the U.S.? Is there a community here? Mm, well, I just recently, like a few weeks ago, I met a guy. Yeah. He's from Ukraine. He studies at the Wake Tech. Oh. Um, but that's it. He is the only student, like <laughs> the same age as me, yeah. from Ukraine. I've met some refugees, but those are the women, you know, with the children. Because those are usually the people who are, you know, leaving the country and kind of searching for a new place to right. settle down. Um, and those were just two families. Yeah. So that was the first guy, the same age as me, student from Ukraine. <laughs> I was like so happy because, you know, when I actually saw him in the library, um, how I realized that he was Ukrainian is that he had a laptop and he had some stickers on it. Yeah. And those stickers were like, you know, um, in the Ukrainian theme. Oh. So I was like, okay, I'm not sure if he was Ukrainian, but I had to ask him, you know, his nationality because <laughs> I would miss such a huge chance. So I approached him and I asked him where he was from. And he was like, I'm Ukrainian. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm Ukrainian too. <laughs> we have to, you know, like um, keep in touch and everything. So, yeah. yeah. And what, um, was, what was his story? Why, why is he here? What brought him here? Um, so at first he was, so he's from Odessa. Okay. Uh, it's a city in Ukraine, also one of, uh, one of the biggest city. It's actually by the sea. Oh. Um, so when the war started, he firstly went to Germany and he spent like a year there. Mm. Uh, but then he no longer really wanted to stay here, to stay there. So uh, he decided to come here. Yeah. Yeah. And he's so settled down. His life is somewhat. Oh, um, yeah. Because he's um, like, it's been more than a year since yeah. he moved to the U.S. Yeah. Right. And how, you've been here since August? Yeah. Since August? Wow. Um, what do you think was uh, so far a memorable lesson you learned from being broad and being in the U.S. It's definitely way, um, it's not as close as, it's not close to Ukraine. I mean, France <laughs> is closer. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Kind of stepping a little bit farther. Um, yeah. Um, the lesson that I learned uh, when I came here to the mm -hmm. U.S., um, you know, I had, um, I mean, we all have some sort of, um, imagination of the country when we are going there yeah and you know when people are talking about the u.s especially in the eastern europe um the u.s is meant to be like a dream you know there is this concept of american dream right so that's this concept is very much pursued in the eastern europe so when i was coming here i was kind of you know um I was not like expecting this American dream to be real. Because it's a dream, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like I had some certain 
you know, a certain image of the United States. Yeah. Um, but then uh, it's actually a bit different, you know, because the United States is also experiencing a tough period. People are, you know, they don't really know what's going on and people are confused here mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of people are, you know, declining to work and there's kind of chaos here as well because I've been talking to some people, Americans, and I've been asking them about their, for example, political preferences and they're so unsure, you know. Yeah. Um, this American dream has never been under the question that much as it is today, so... Mm. I yeah I understand I understand how they, a lot of a lot of them are frustrated with how their how the government seems to be um, they believe that it, it's not it, it's not doing what it's supposed to do which is prioritize its people uh, these are you know, some of the conversations I've been having a lot of people are disappointed they they, they even they no longer affiliate themselves with any party, any political party. There are those yeah. people that, you know, just, just no longer trust the system. And that's rather disappointing, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think that um, traveling and being abroad leads to a great deal of, of growth, but it also uh, is hard in a sense that you don't, you don't get to see your loved ones or your family as much as you should, and uh, I'm sure, especially with your case, you know, when your family is in a state that is, when you know they're all over the place. You got some people in Ukraine, some people in the yeah. Czech Republic. That 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 makes it even harder. So I can't imagine how how it must be feeling, how you must be feeling like it, it's how it must feel like because you know I, yeah, I mean. Uh, I don't get a chance to talk to a lot of people. Well, you're the first Ukrainian that I've ever talked to. Really? <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really it, it's it's really fascinating to hear your story. I just um just wish that a lot of people would 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 be able to hear these stories as well, you know. But again, you know, like a lot of people when when they listen to my story or they get a chance to talk to me, they're like, "Oh my god, we're like impressed by your story or like all this stuff." But Yeah. There, it's just important to mention that I was lucky to be abroad. You know, I never actually experienced like the real, real war because I've been just in Ukraine like for those 10 days during the um, Christmas period. Mm -hmm. But um, people that are the same age as me, my friends, you know, the youth, the Ukrainian youth, they're living with it every day. And they are the ones, you know, who have fascinating stories and or, you know, like really incredible people. I mean, yeah, I do experience some difficulties, some challenges, and um, obviously I get to deal with that. And I didn't really want to experience that in like when I was 17. Um, but again, there are so many more truly inspiring people that are even younger than me or older than me mm -hmm. who are in Ukraine. And, you know, they've got the real stories to tell. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm glad you're, you know, you, I'm glad we had a chance to have this conversation. Glad to hear. Yeah, I appreciate you. it. Yeah, I, I hope that a lot of people would, would understand more of what it's like to, to you know, experience such uh, unfortunate circumstances and to oh, have yeah, more conversations. Um, you know, I have a kind of rule in my life uh, mm -hmm. that I think it's, it's, um, that's the rule that I've been living with 
throughout my whole life. Yeah. So everything can be estimated through the comparison. You know, you cannot really understand the real value of something mm-hmm. if it hasn't been compared to something else, you know. Yeah. So when people have the chance to discover, you know, another culture is Ukrainian culture and what people are going through, maybe I really hope that they can actually appreciate their everyday routine a bit more mm-hmm. and, you know, become more thankful to what they have, to what they experience, um, to just the life they have. Because somewhere there, somewhere else, somewhere like in Ukraine, people experiencing way harder life. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you got a chance to talk to someone who can really explain you or just elaborate on that, you, you know, you just start to think that, you know, maybe my life is not bad. You know, I got like two hands, two arms, two legs. I can breathe. I can eat. Yeah. So, I mean, that is the happiness for some people, you know. Right. Right. So these, these, these things that we take for granted. Yeah, exactly. Well, it all starts with. I guess with these conversations and, and more exposure, and I hope that uh, these could lead to, to more understanding or facilitate understanding of the other side. Um, thank you, Victoria, for joining me. Thank I appreciate you so it. much. Thank you for having me. I was like, uh, I really appreciated the chance, you know, to talk about my story and just, you know, to talk with you. So Absolutely. I think it's it's worthwhile to have these conversations. Thank you. Thank you.